0: I don't often do this, but I'm going to start off this message uh, with an apology. And um, I'm going to start off this message with some some foundation so nobody gets mad at me, okay? Last week, we talked about the patience. I'm I'm sorry, we talked about compassion, right? We need to find people that are hurting. We need to see them with our eyes. We need to love them. We need to help them. We need to be Jesus' hands and feet. Sunday before that, we talked about forgiveness. Does anybody have to ever use forgiveness as a tool? All right, good. Three of you. The rest of you are still asleep. Julia, stop singing that song. You put everybody in a coma. All right. Does anybody ever need to expand, you know, the compassion level in your heart? Like You could use more. All right, good. Me too. All right. Now, today I'm going to talk about something I know none of you need, but I'll get blamed for this. Patience. You don't need patience. Especially, all right, you ready for this one? Patience in dealing with difficult people. Now some of you saw the title and you're thinking, oh, right away. He's preaching at me today. He's good. This message is about me. I stand here with God as my witness. None of you were in my mind when I came up with this message. All right. I wasn't, Carrie, I was not thinking about you as a difficult person. All right. And I'm just going to give you some, some ground rules. Just keep your eyes on me during this whole message. Okay. Don't look at anybody in this room. If your eyes catch, they might think something wrong. Like, you think I'm difficult? All right. If some of you, this is your first service here. No, I'm not talking to you. I don't even know you yet. All right. I'm not talking to you. All right. Now, let me just say this too. The only reason I'm not up at the altar getting prayer every week is because I have to preach this message to myself before I could ever preach it to you. So I do all my repenting before Sunday. (laughs) Lest you think, I think I'm exempt from what I say every week. I'm not. How many of you have maybe at times even worn the hat of a difficult person? I mean, like you are, you were one. You were the difficult person. All right, good. We got some honest people here. If we're honest, we've all had our moments that we're, we'd like to relive over. And if we're honest, we all have people that irritate the daylights out of us. Is it okay to say that in church? Yeah, Yeah, because you got to be honest, right? The Lord knows. How do you deal with people who drive you nuts? Some people are just plain obnoxious. Some people are just quirky people. Some people never had social grace, social etiquette 101. You know, let me give you an example. They're the kind of people you haven't seen for 20 years, and they say, dude, what happened to all your hair? (laughs) Normally, you start off by saying hi. (laughs) Or they say, man, you've gotten fat since the last time I saw you. Thank you. You're looking swell yourself. I mean, these are people that just, they're just irritants, but they're just clueless because they just never got that class. They must not have had a mom or dad that said, you don't say that. I mean, I remember Marion said something at the supermarket one time. She walked up to some lady and said something totally, totally, totally off off the wall. I mean, terrible. She was a She was one of those difficult people and her mom said, don't you say that in public. Some of you needed somebody to say that. Don't say that in public. But you never got that. So you're a difficult person. These are people in our lives that act like Holy Ghost sandpaper. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You just get around them and you just feel parts of your flesh that just need a good rub down. Zzz, zzz, zzz. Some of them are Holy Ghost jackhammers because you got a lot of you still. You know, it's easy to love people that are just so loving. If everybody were just like, you know, Mother Teresa in our lives, but they're not. We have people that come around us and instantly the hair, whatever we have left on the back of our neck, just... <laughs> and as soon as they get near to us, they're going to say something that's going to push our button. They know exactly where the button is and they love to push the button. And then what happens is God reminds you, I've blessed you with this person. The reason they're in your life is because see that anger right now? I want to pull that out. See that impatience right now? I'm trying to deal with that. And you just go, come here, you little difficult person. And you hug them. And uh, And you just let them rub all that stuff off of you. They're heavenly sandpaper to take off the rough edges. But some people are not just quirky, they're just mean. They never say thank you. They never, they never approve of you. They're always demanding that you can never please them. You can, you can never make them happy no matter how hard you try. Let me just share from my own life, can I for a moment? I generally preach for somewhere between 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how lucky you are that Sunday, all right? (laughs) You can interpret that however you want. Um, And, you know, if you talk and, and actually quote the Bible for 45 minutes, the likelihood of you saying something positive and good is pretty strong. But people will come up to me, Pastor, you know, what did you mean by... And I just talk for 45 minutes. But they will find one thing I said that they found offensive. They want to cross-reference into Greek. They want to <laughs> correct me because I'm a heretic. And I just sit there sometimes smiling on the outside with, with a look of amazement. <laughs> and inside I'm thinking, I just spoke for 45 stinking minutes and you couldn't find one measly thing to say that part was good. Now let me go to the correction, all right? Just start off with something positive. I'm trying to help some difficult people out. Start off with the positive. Find something positive, and then you can go into your critique and rub the sandpaper thing on us, and we'll work on being more like Jesus Christ. How can you be patient with people when what you do is just not good enough, and you feel like you never measure up? So here's what we're going to talk about. How can you be patient with the difficult people in your life? And I want to give you this morning six secrets to loving difficult people. Six secrets to loving difficult people. All right, point number one. I mean, you know, if you're going to love difficult people, you have to see through their behavior and you have to get beyond the behavior to the cause of the behavior. Now, you've heard this said before, but it bears repeating. Hurt people hurt people. And the reason, first of all, let's just settle this. Every one of us in this room has hurt somebody. So put away our victim card this morning, all right? This is not about, I'm so hurt. I know, people hurt me. Stop it. You've hurt people too, so knock it off. We all hurt people, and the reason we hurt people is because we have been hurt people. We live in a messed up world. And Jesus said this, you know, he said, offenses are going to come. I mean, you're going to have an opportunity to get hurt in this life. Can anybody say amen to that? All right, we've all hurt people and we've all been hurt by people. But the key thing is we've got to look beyond their... The, the behavior and we have to look into the pain that's usually behind that. Now, just this morning, I know when people come out on Sunday morning, for some of you, this was a major, major chore because you might be under it right now. You might be going through relational stress. You might be struggling in your marriage. You might be struggling with your kids. You might be struggling at work with a boss or whatever. People struggle relationally and, re, and there's nothing like relationships to cause pain. Some of you have a physical illness. Some of you know, it's really hard to be chipper and excited when your body is sick and you have a fever or you have pain somewhere in your body that's chronic. It's really hard to be outgoing and charming and, and uh, so thoughtful and sensitive when you're living with chronic pain. Some of you are here this morning with maybe some chronic pain in your life. Other people deal with fears or insecurities or some people just have been, had such a painful past. They've been so scarred and shaped from their past that, that they're constantly in touch with the pain of the past. It's very hard for them to be present right now around you or to love you or to reach out to you. And I gave the example, our candle already went out. In okay, case some of you were wondering, this is not a real candle. It's a fake candle. But when it's working, it looks really cool. So anyway, if I were to put my hand over a real candle while it was burning, and I tried to have a discussion with Andy Stett, even though I love Andy, and even though I would love Andy to tell me about the new song that he's writing and or the person he's touching at work, if my hand were over a live candle, I would not be thinking about Andy. In fact, I would be trying to leave Andy's presence as quickly as I can to remove my hand from the pain because people that are in pain are not present to the people that are around them. And I mean, if you know, if you take the time to explore those things and look past the difficulty that they're coming off of their spirit, and actually take the time to get into their lives, you'd probably realize that they're like the animal with the thorn in the foot, you know, that's uh, in great pain. And uh, and if you find the source of the pain, you can at least look through it and realize this is a hurting person that I need to look beyond the pain or look beyond the difficulty, love them in their pain and bring Jesus' mercy to them. Take a look at what the word of God says. This is uh, Proverbs 12, verse 16. A fool is quick-tempered, But a wise person stays calm when insulted. A wise person stays calm when insulted. How is this person demonstrating wisdom? Because they're wise enough to look beyond the insult, which was the presenting problem, And realize that the insulter is probably dealing with something in their life at that moment that's agitating them and causing them to act the way that they are. Once you understand the pain, that's when you can respond with the patience, all right? So let's go to point number two. This is something my dad has taught on here for 30 plus years. Absolutely refuse to be offended. Now, let me shed some light on this. How many of you know choosing to be offended is just that? It is a choice you make. I'm going to say that again. You have to be offended, meaning you embrace it. The offense comes. Somebody says something mean to you and you go, thank you, and you pull it into your guts and then you react to whatever it was. But you're making the choice to choose to be offended. You can start your day, as Bishop has taught us, you can start your day by saying this, Lord Jesus, I thank you that I don't have to be offended today. I choose to release any offense that would come my way. And let me just tell you, it will come your way. But here's what's amazing about people who, who choose not to be, offenced, offend, be offended by others or receive the offenses of others. They sometimes don't even know when the offense came because they're, they've chosen not to receive it. It's not a part of their lifestyle. And I'll say this as as your pastor, one of the surest measures of a person's spiritual or emotional maturity is how you treat people who mistreat you. You know, when you say, well, pastor, I'm a godly person. I read my Bible every day. I come to church every day. Let me, I'm gonna see how godly you are. I'm gonna let a difficult person come across your path. And I'm gonna see how holy you are. Yeah, you raise these hands on Sunday, but you raise other fingers throughout the week. No, it's easy to love people who love you. It's those difficult suckers that you want to kill. Am I speaking? I'm just being real. And it's those people who know where your buttons are that show you how spiritual you really are and how much of a man of God you really are and how emotionally mature you really are. Because most of the time, as soon as somebody pushes your button, whoa no one's going to talk to me that way. Whoa, I think we got a little flesh hanging out there still. Needs to be crucified. No one's going to treat me that way. No one's going to act that way to me. Are you the same person that's been crucified in Christ and you no longer live, but Christ lives? Is that the, you still quote that verse? Okay, I'm just checking to make or I've heard people say this. I had to deal with this in my own family. I'm trying to get my kids apart. I'm like, hey, act like you know God. I'll even tell them that. Act like you know God. She makes me so mad. She, she comes and she takes my clothes and she wears them. She wears my clothes. She doesn't ask. She makes me so mad. Nobody makes you mad. You choose to be mad. You could give her the clothes. You could not care that she wears the clothes. Or you could nicely ask her in patience, please ask before you wear my clothes. Or you could nicely convey an edict, don't ever wear my clothes. Or I'm telling dad. (laughs) But you don't have to be mad. Because when you're mad, you just handed the keys to your life to a difficult person. Who doesn't like you anyway? Now they're driving the keys to your life. You're insane. Why did you hand your life over to a difficult person? And as soon as you hand your emotions over, what follows is your mouth. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? How many times you're... When I, when I get in an emotional state, imagine that. When I get in an emotional state, one minor infraction builds on the next. was builds on the next. And finally, something insignificant, I'm like, I'm out of control. It didn't start there. I let these emotions well up within me. And how many of you know the kingdom of God is right thinking and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. But when your emotions get high, your mouth starts saying things that you cannot take back. And guess what? You become a difficult person at that moment because now you're hurting people. And all you're doing is creating this vicious cycle where we damage one another and we destroy one another. And this time with our words, When you lose control of your emotions, you lose control of your tongue. When you lose control of your tongue, things begin to go downhill in a hurry. Look at Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue. Keep your mouth shut. I wish the Bible were more clear. You know, I wonder what that means in the I wonder what that means in the Greek. All right, that's not the Greek. That's the Hebrew. All right. Watch your tongue. Keep your mouth shut. And you will stay out of trouble. I can even understand that. Look at the message version. I like this. Watch your words. Hold your tongue. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. The Bible's very practical, isn't it? Don't be so easily offended. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 32, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. This is crazy. God says if you and I can conquer our emotional realm, not take on offenses, not let our tongue start speaking out insult or hurt for hurt. If we can manage and control this temple right here, we're stronger than a general over an entire army. How many of you figured out the hardest person to deal with is yourself? When you say, well, you know what? I'm going to lose five pounds this year. The hardest person to manage is you. You can help somebody else lose five pounds. It's you that you got to manage every time you drive by Dairy Queen. You know what I'm talking about. Our prayer should be, God, give me a tender heart and a tough hide. Many times we have thin skin and tough hearts. God wants us to have tough skin, tender hearts. Because if you're going to live in this fallen world, which you all have no choice you're going to get dinged up all throughout the day. And here's the the challenge. If we're gonna be the kind of merciful and compassionate people that Jesus commands us to be, you're gonna have to avoid the tendency to let your heart get hardened where you just say this, I don't need people in my life. Or how many of you have been hurt by the church or people in the church? I don't need the church in my life. What you just did is you just had thin skin, rhino heart. And you're going to wall yourself off from everybody, and you're going to be miserable, and you're going to miss out on the blessings that God had for you because you were naive enough to think that everybody that comes to church is perfect. No, listen, everybody in this place, you can't even join the club until you admit that you're hurt and that you hurt others. This is a dangerous place to hang out. There's difficult people in here everywhere. Don't look, keep your eyes at me. <laughs> They're everywhere in this room. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. <laughs> That's the point of the gospel. We come hurt and broken, but if we stick around long enough and we have rhino hide and we keep our hearts soft, God will change us. We'll be nice people. We'll be fun to hang around people. Oh, come on. Do it, Jesus. Start in me. Come on. Don't take offenses. Look at Proverbs 19 verse 11. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. People say, I'm not going to overlook that. They shouldn't act that way. Listen, the Bible says this, Love barely notices it when others do it wrong. Do you know that the most loving people are the least critical people? And the most unloving people are the ones that are waiting to grade you on everything and point out all of your faults. Let me just tell you, if you're a highly critical person, here's good news for you. I want to pray that God overwhelms you with His supernatural love and wipes you out so you're a a blundering crybaby mess and you come up and you realize how loved you are and how forgiven you are. You watch how that changes the way you look at other people. Some of you just need a tidal wave of God's love to wash over you. Knock you off your feet. And then you'll be so aware of the love of God that you'll be able to look at other people through the different eyes. Amen? All right, number three, here's a highly theological term, phrase, number three, cut them some slack for crying out loud. Be gracious, show them mercy. How many of you know everybody has a bad day? So make allowances for people. This is a verse that should be one we commit to memory. This is Ephesians 4 verse 2. Look on the screen with me. Always be humble and gentle. That's a good start, isn't it? Be patient with each other making allowances for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. You know, any of you that are married, this this should be a theme verse. It is so easy to focus on what's wrong with your spouse and you completely overlook why you married them in the first place. Now, I'll just use myself as an example. (laughs) My wife married me for obvious reasons. I won't go into all the detail, but <laughs> there were lots of things she saw about me where she just said, wow, I want to spend my life with that hunk of, hunk of right there. All right. <laughs> and then once we got married, she realized I can't do hardly anything at the house. <laughs> now I'm not a couch potato, but I just, my skills are limited. I was trained in the fine art of vacuum cleaning. All right, I can do that. But after I get past that, I'm, I'm a loser, all right? I just, just say, honey, that toilet's running. And I just go, you know, I hate it when that happens. I'll anoint it with oil. I'll try praying, Father, in Jesus' name, stop the toilet from running. She could look at me like, loser, you know? But you know what? She realizes, and then she'll say, honey, you, you might need to call somebody <laughs> for help. Good point, good point. And I could share stories that goes both. I mean, you know, when you're married together, you realize, hey, nothing, we're not perfect. Cut your partner some slack for crying out loud. Find out what they're doing well. Start to compliment them. I say, honey, you know, that toilet's running, but aren't we in love? Come on. (laughs) You know, just give me a hug. Get over here. You know, some people have toilets at work. We're in love. Come on. Where's the sweeper? Let me help out around here. Show off my skills. All right, cause people some slack. I'm going to jump ahead to number four. Avoid the temptation to gossip about them. Now, can we all just admit, this is really rough. I mean, if somebody is rude to you, and, and you acted like Jesus, at least on the outside. You know, Brian was just rude to me. I'm picking on his, He's a guest, I'm picking on him, all right? Because he's leaving. I'm not going to get any of you mad at me, all right? <laughs> so, Brian says something to me, and I, I walk away. I, I'm sorry you feel that way. I guess we just have to disagree. And I turn around. I was cool as a cucumber on the outside. I even had a Jesus smile bless you, but when I turn around, I'm like, what a work of art, what an idiot, who does he think he is, where did he come, where is he coming from, and what I will do is I will find somebody to share that with, hi Lynn, just calling up for a prayer request, yeah, you know, Brian, he's a work of art. We, you know, we just need to keep praying for him because he's an idiot right now. And, uh, but if we pray hard enough, well, what, what are you talking about? Well, have you got an hour? Listen, difficult people always have time. Have you noticed that? You get on the phone with a difficult person, kiss a half an hour goodbye. They always got time. That's one thing they have. They got time. They got time to talk about everybody. Let me tell you why this person is so messed up. Now, the Bible calls that gossip. And let me just tell you, gossip is a form of retaliation. And see, I, because I'm a godly man, I won't punch Brian in the face. Because Jesus wouldn't like that, but I will come to you. Or you? I won't you're, you're brand new too. I won't pick on you. I am so glad you're here. And you would never do this. I know. Now Bev would. All right? No, I'm picking. But I will slander Brian's reputation to 15 people. Now you can't get that same person to invite 15 people to the Christmas service, but they'll pick up that phone and they will evangelize. They will evangelize, and they'll call 15 people. They won't invite them to church. Let me tell you what just happened to me. You all just say, I know somebody like that. Just tell your neighbor, I know somebody like that. All right? It would be better if you took a baseball bat and started taking out their knees, the person's knees. All right? They'll get over that sooner. God hates gossip. And when somebody insults you, or somebody's difficult with you, or somebody hurts you with what they said, don't retaliate in the super spiritual Christian pseudo way by telling 14 people and bringing it up as a prayer request. Because let me tell you what gossip is. It's a great definition. Gossip is sharing information with someone who is neither part of the problem nor part of the solution. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Gossip is sharing information with someone who's not part of the problem and not part of the solution. Now, let me show you how this works. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good. Well, Pastor, do you know what's going on with Lynn and Tom? Um, no. Well, let me tell you. I just cannot believe, and I go, wait, time out. Lynn. Oh, not Lynn. What is your name again? Chris. Chris. (laughs) I'm not like this every Sunday. It gets better sometimes. All right, Chris, why don't you go talk with Lynn yourself? Why are you talking to me and you're offended for Lynn, but you're not even involved in the situation? Do you know how many church splits happen because half the church took brother so-and-so side, half the church took sister so-and-so side? Why are you offended for them? You're not even supposed to be offended for you. But now you have a double anointing. Now you're offended and you're offended for them. Give me somebody else's offense. I'm anointed to receive offenses. Stop it. Why don't you act like Jesus? If you have a problem with somebody, go to that person and stare them in the face and talk to them. Don't gossip about them. Talk to them. And if somebody's feeding you an earful, say, time out. Have you gone to them and talked to them? Well, no, but get off your, and go talk to them. That's the problem. It's it's your butt that's getting in the way. God hates gossip. Look at Romans 129. I'm going to put it in context here. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness and sin and greed and hate and envy and murder and quarreling and deception and malicious behavior. And, oh my gosh, how did that get in there? Gossip is listed with murder? How many of you have just been convicted of homicide, you know, manslaughter and this? ah. When we talk about somebody in an ungodly way, God compares it with murdering them. You're not murdering their body, you're murdering their reputation. Wow. All right, quickly, number five. Refuse to play their game. Extra grace people love to argue. They love to debate. They know how to push all the right buttons and they love causing conflict because listen, when they get you to bite the bait, now they're controlling you. They're agitators. They're not looking for correction. They're looking for a fight. Now let me give you a secret here. How many people does it take to fight? What's the least common denominator, if we go back to math class, least common denominator for a good fight? So if you quit, you've just taken control and said, thank you, I'm taking control back from my life. I'm not participating in the fight. Oh, this is so good. It takes two to tangle. I love this. If you wrestle in the mud with a pig, both of you will get dirty, but only one of you will enjoy it. Now, any of us that are social media people know that you, you, you can put this, Jesus loves you. And a difficult person will critique that. They're, it's amazing. Jesus loves you. Yeah, but sometimes he judges sin. I didn't say that. I simply said, Jesus loves you. And you know what? If you bite the bait... That's not what I meant. You will spend an hour on that thread. And every difficult person, it's amazing how they attract. They breed. They run together. Every difficult person will find some way to say something mean and nasty about what you just posted. And then they'll pick up the phone and call 10 of their friends and tell about what they just posted on your Facebook feed. Don't play the game. Don't let their conflict control you. They don't even care what you think. They're not listening to your feed. They're looking for what they're getting ready to say. Quit wrestling in the mud with pigs. You're not going to enjoy it. Proverbs 26 verse 21 a quarrelsome person in a dispute is like kerosene thrown on a fire. <laughs> what a picture. These people aren't looking for answers. They're just looking for arguments. So don't get involved in the argument. There are so many times I have to just resist uh, responding, and I, and I my hands are right there on the keyboard, and my mind is so ready. In fact, you know, when you've rehearsed it a few times, it sharpens it. And when you're on Twitter and you only have so many characters, you've got to be so sharp. And you're all ready, and then you just hear the Holy Spirit say, don't do that. You don't need to comment. And you go, but it would feel so good <laughs> to comment. How many of you know that is carnal pleasure? And it, and it doesn't lead, it doesn't, you know, having to justify yourself, retaliate, defend yourself. It, it, in the end, it's like poison in your mouth. Don't, don't do that. Let me end with this. Always take the high ground. Number six, always take the high ground. Always do the right thing regardless of the response of the other. How many of you know you can't control what other people think about you? You can't control what other people do to you, but you have 100% control over how you respond to what they say about you and what they do to you. I was just talking to somebody this morning. He said, he said, you just described me. I'm the pig in the mud. I said, well, get out of the mud. He said, well, I'm angry. I said, why are you angry? Well, because I, I know I'm here because of the choices I made. Make new choices. But I'm mad. So stay being miserable. How's it working for you? How are you liking this? In other words, quit blaming people. Quit controlling people with your temper tantrums. Quit controlling people with your outbursts of anger. Grow up. Take control of your life. Stop acting that way. Take the high ground. How many of you know when you're on the high ground, you can see farther and you can see clearer? When you're down wrestling with a pig, it's hard to get perspective. When you're on the high ground, you can see clearly and you also see through the person's pain and you look at where they're at and you're like, you know what, I'm not gonna get down and all that. God's lifted us out of that. I wanna pull that person out. I don't wanna go down and wallow in the mess with them. I wanna pull them out and I can't pull them out if I don't stay on the high ground. James chapter 2 verse 13. Mercy always triumphs victoriously over judgment. Isn't that great? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now I got a brother that came up last Sunday and I love this story. He said, Pastor, you're talking about mercy and God started dealing with me. He was going, uh, or he's been involved in a difficult, difficult divorce of which he did not want any part of it. He was working towards restoration. His wife was uh, persistent and wanted the divorce. They got the divorce, uh, and he said, last Sunday, as you were preaching, all of a sudden, God reminded me that my ex-wife had talked to me, and she said, you know what? My washing machine at home is broken. It just went out. Inside, he's just being real, inside, what are you thinking? If you didn't want the divorce, here's the divorce. Your ex-wife calls. She's got a problem with her washing machine. I'll tell you what you're thinking. Fix your own washing machine. Why are you calling me? You go buy your washing machine. Obviously, you don't want to be involved in the marriage. How many of you know I'm off to a good start there? And it goes downhill from there. But this is what God said to him. Why don't you go buy her the washing machine? Or the refrigerator. Why don't you go buy her the refrigerator? Your first thought is, I rebuke you, Satan, in Jesus' name. And then you realize you realize this kind of looks like mercy. This is what mercy looks like. How many of you know when you pull it out of the fluff? Mercy. No, mercy is hard. Mercy means you have to die. Mercy means you have to do things that you don't want to do. You want to tell her you need a refrigerator. I would love to buy you that refrigerator if you would receive it. And you know when he came up to me? He showed me the refrigerator that he purchased. Got a sale on it too. Hallelujah, God knows, all right? Got a sale on it. And he was incredibly happy and excited. Here's why, here's why. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. You were merciful. You acted like God. You know what? On the inside, you're feeling free. You're feeling full of love. You're feeling so excited. You're, and, and, and here's the cool thing. Sometimes an act of mercy begins to open a person's heart. Because you know, what, God, there is no period on the end of any life situation. God erases the period. God can change things. I had another lady, she came up to me at CR this week. She said, Pastor, I'm taking your word. What you preached last Sunday, I will not be coming to church Sunday. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? What did I say? Sometimes people have interesting interpretations based upon what you preach, right? But no, she interpreted it correctly. She said, I just started a job so many months ago. When I got there, she said, I think my, my supervisor's intimidated of me or something or thinks I want to take her job, but she's been mean to me. She's not, she's not been kind to me. She's defensive and she's angry. And, uh, and she just had a situation where her husband had to have heart surgery or something, had a serious operation, and she needs someone to take her shift. Now, she says, I don't want to take her shift. I love coming to church. I love being encouraged. I love being with God's people. But God spoke to my heart during the message last week and said, I want you to take this woman's shift for her and you work on Sunday and let her go tend to her husband. She said, so I won't be there this Sunday because I'm going to be demonstrating mercy. Isn't that awesome? That's the high ground. And I guarantee you, when you take the high ground, God begins to move supernaturally. God begins to change situations because you just brought heaven to a difficult person. You just brought healing to a difficult person. You just brought a solution to a difficult person. And God begins to move. Let me end with this. The Bible says in Colossians 3.12, if you want to be a well-dressed believer, you want to look good, how do you look good? Colossians 3.12, clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, isn't that sweet? Clothe yourself with mercy. In other words, practice mercy like it's second nature, like it's a, like it's your clothes that just feel comfortable on you. Practice mercy like second nature. Romans chapter twelve gives us three key principles. I want to hit them quickly. Three, uh, yeah. There we go. Number one, sound like Daffy Duck or somebody. Verse fourteen, Romans twelve fourteen. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. I want you all to circle that word persecute because some of you feel like, well, pastor, I'm not really being persecuted. Great, put the word irritate in there. Bless those who irritate you. Don't curse them. Pray for their blessing. I mean, you know, the first step in dealing with difficult people is actually to bless them. Say, God, bless them, bless them, bless them. I don't want to bless them, but I ask you to bless them. Change my heart. Bless them, Lord, change them. Look at the next one here, verse 17. Never pay back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everybody can see that you're honorable. See, that's what our brother did. When you buy a a brand new refrigerator, you are paying back mercy and love and kindness where there's been dissension and strife and disagreement and hurt. And lastly, don't let evil conquer you. This is verse 21. But conquer evil. How do you conquer evil? by doing the exact opposite, by doing good. Look for somebody this week that's been a difficult person in your life and touch them with the love of Christ. Find some way to meet their need. Find some way to love them. That's the secret to turning around the hearts of difficult people. Now, I shared a story that, that came to my mind this morning that bears repeating. This was years and years ago when my dad was leading the men's group. They actually met in a house in Highland and they met down in the basement and I was home from college. I was, you know, probably 20 years old. I came home from college and dad said, hey, come with me to the men's group tonight. I said, great. So we go there. And this was an extra special night. Everybody was sharing, and if you've ever been in any of the meetings that my dad leads, sometimes the, you know, he lets the guys kind of cut loose, and they're in each other's face, and you know, sometimes it gets a little intense, and somebody leaves, and somebody has to go get them and bring them back. I mean, you know, normal church fun, fellowship stuff, you know, and um, guys use words they shouldn't be using, and, and uh, anyway, they were sharing and dealing with all this kind of stuff, and we got in the car, and my dad looks at me with that little silly grin on his face, and he says. He says, so what'd you think? And I'm paraphrasing and summarizing my synopsis right now. I'm synopsis, synopsizing my synopsis, all right? I said, that was the most highly concentrated group of dysfunctional men I've ever seen in my life. I didn't quite say it that way. I'm more sophisticated now. And my dad looked at me and he said, those are my mighty men of valor. Yeah! I still, as a 20-year-old kid, as a 20-year-old kid, I still remember that because what he was teaching me is look through the pain, look through the addiction, look through the brokenness, look through the lack of social grace, look through the awkwardness, look through, you know, the anger, look through the profanity and realize There's a bunch of guys here that are broken. There's a bunch of men here that are hurt. And somebody's got to look through them and deal with the offenses and realize you're just rubbing me, polishing me. And I'm going to keep loving you. And I'm going to be patient with you. Because someday, if we're patient, we'll see a man like Robert standing on the stage, addicted to alcohol for three decades. That because enough people in this place simply said, we're just gonna love you the way that you are. He could be standing in freedom right now and wearing the shirt. He's on the team. You with me? He's on the team. How many of you could stand up and give a testimony that when you were very difficult, angry, hard to deal with, God placed people in your life that loved you just where you were. And, and here's the cool thing. Saw through the facade and looked inside, and saw that, you know what, there is a jewel, there is a diamond here, there's a diamond in the rough, I love the way Dave and Marquita. I just want to thank you all, Dave and Marquita shared the vision last week for the Home for Teen Moms, um, the response was crazy, off the charge, people start. we started getting calls this week, we got couches, we want to deliver couches, where do we deliver them, pastor, I don't know, I, I just met with Dave last week, I don't know where the couch delivery place is, we don't have that nailed down yet, but you guys were, man, responding, and it was crazy, um, but it's all rooted in the premise that you know it. That was Marquita, and look where Marquita is now. What a beautiful, beautiful lady she is, and what a beautiful heart for Jesus. If someone could look through that teen mom that's lost and looking for love in all the wrong places, wow! What could we do to see treasure come forth? And here's the cool thing: if we won't get offended with each other, please hear this one. If we won't get offended with each other and we actually learn to love each other and let each other rub each other all right, in the right way to where we look more like Jesus and we stick it out. Can you imagine? I'll just use me as an example. Can you imagine how beautiful and loving and kind and like Jesus I'm going to look like in 10 years? Just imagine. <laughs> try, I know, try. <laughs> Why are you laughing at, Dirk? Come on. You, there's hope for you too. I'm telling you, there's hope for you too. What could we all look like together if we just keep loving and having mercy, cutting slack, getting into each other 's lives, listening to what 's going on, and then believe that together we could just keep loving each other in the context of kind of sloppy sloppy love grace mercy it 's not always clean, um, sometimes we step on each other 's toes, sometimes we 're stupid, and we say things we shouldn 't, sometimes we get irritated, we all have bad days, but what if we let the grace of God transcend all that, and we just made a commitment to love each other ha. <laughs> That would be cool. I would like to be part of a church like that. How about you guys? I think, I think, you know, you look, there's something about time when you look back and you realize, can I just, I got one, I got one minute. Can I have one minute? One minute. I promise. I'm looking back at Mary Faverty. Mary, I got to tell this. You know, Mary's been a, a friend of our family for years and years and years. She made my daughter cry the other day, but it was good cry. She gave my daughter a quilt that My dad's mom, Nana, who went home to be with Jesus, was knitting for the day when Lauren would have her baby. She never lived to see that day, but the quilt was in process. Mary, who we've known for years and love her as our family, been together as family, she's loved our family like crazy at times of need. Mary picks up the undone quilt, And starts knitting where Nana left off. And so I'm looking like, how come Lauren's not in here? Where's she at? How come she's not greeting people at her shower? It's because she is trying to pull it all together. Because Mary handed her the quilt from her great-grandma who's with Jesus that didn't quite get to see it to completion. Now, I'm just saying this because Mary picked up a baton, and she wouldn't have even been able to pick up with a baton if we didn't have a history. You know, there's, we live in a world where everybody cuts and runs all the time. You're just doing yourself a great disservice. You're never going to find a place where everybody's perfect. So why are you trying? God's trying. Everywhere you go, he's going to try to teach you the same principles, just different faces. So why not try to love the people that you're already familiar with? The ones that irritate you the most. <laughs> I'm not talking to you, Mike. Don't look anywhere else. Right here. I'm not talking about you. All right, stand on your feet. We've had enough fun for one morning. Don't forget, we want to bless Jane on the way out. And Jane, I want you to go to the Welcome Center if you would be so kind. You can go ahead and be dismissed right now, because I want some of you on your way out just to give Jane a hug and say thank you for 18 years of taking care of this facility. It's grown up quite a bit since Jane started, but I want you to bless Jane and and put something in a box for her on the way out, and we'll report on that next week. Don't forget marriage class today, too, at 4 o'clock. Lord, thank you for your great mercy for us. Lord, cause us today to have a fresh perspective on people that we find difficult to be with. Lord, I pray for fresh grace to forgive, fresh love, fresh vision, fresh perspective. Keep us on the high ground. Lord, help us to cut a lot of slack, because we know we're going to need it ourselves at some point. And Lord, help us just to love others really, really well this week. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, have an incredible week. Don't get offended.